0: Our first reading is from Isaiah chapter 40. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. The flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Go on up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Our Psalm today is Psalm 85. Please read responsively by half verse. Lord, you were favorable to your land.
1: You restored the fortunes of Jacob.
0: You forgave the iniquity of your people.
2: You covered all their
0: sins. You, you withdrew all your wrath.
2: You turned from your high anger.
0: Restore us again, O God of our salvation. Will you be angry with us forever?
3: Will you prolong your anger to all generations?
0: Will you not revive us again?
3: Let your people may rejoice in
0: you. Show us your steadfast love, O oh Lord. And grant us your salvation. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak. For he will peace to his people. Sh- Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him. And glory well in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness meet.
1: Righteousness and peace each other.
0: Faithfulness springs up from the ground. And righteousness looks down from the sky. Yes, the Lord will give what is good.
2: And our land will yield increase.
0: Righteousness will go before him. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit.
2: As it was in
0: the beginning, is is now, and ever shall be, be, world without end. Amen.
2: The New Testament reading is from 2 Peter, chapter 3, verses 8 through 18. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory now and to the day of eternity. Amen. The word of the Lord.
1: Would you stand with us as we prepare our hearts for the hearing of the gospel?
3: gospel of our lord jesus christ according to saint mark
2: Glory to you, lord christ.
3: the beginning of the gospel of jesus christ the son of god as it is written in isaiah the prophet behold i send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way the voice of one crying in the wilderness prepare the way of the lord Make his paths straight. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist, and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ.
1: Would you join me in prayer? O Lord, speak to our hearts by your Holy Spirit, that we would be vigilant and prepared for your return. Help us to spread word and be watchmen in the fourth watch of the night, so that others might come to higher ground and have a relationship with you that will be saving. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen. Please be seated. I love John the Baptist. Uh, I think I say it every year. He's one of my favorite uh, people to, to think about as he encourages my faith in Jesus just by his witness. Uh, in fact, when it became uh, possible that we were gonna, that I was going to go preach down by the marsh, I thought, yes, please, that sounds like John the Baptist. Uh, now, John the Baptist says he is not Jesus, and I am not John the Baptist. I'm just telling you how much he inspires me. And so I'd like you to turn to that passage this morning in, that, in your bulletin, that gospel passage in Mark, the beginning of the gospel, the very first verses of of Mark chapter 1. It's a story about Jesus' life, a true story, but the first thing is John, John the Baptist, and this passage is relating John to what Isaiah predicted 600 years earlier, that there would be a messenger uh, before the Messiah, and John is that messenger. Now the other gospels tell us even more interesting facts about John and Jesus. Uh, They had met before they got to the Jordan. Uh, in the womb, in fact, as babies. So they were the same age uh, men. Uh, and I would love one day to get to heaven and learn the rest of the story of their young lives and whether they interacted together. You know, wouldn't that be fun to watch? The John the Baptist and Jesus as 15, 16-year-olds. What were they up to uh, at that time? Or did they not interact? Uh, were, were, did the circumstances of life take them apart from each other, and were they reunited? I don't know. I'd love to know. I don't know. Uh, But we have enough to talk about with what we do know here in this passage today. Uh, What's going on here? Well, the the theme I want you to hold up uh, today uh, that fits with the other Sundays of Advent that we've had is uh, this vigilant watching, uh, which I know I'm asking you to do some gymnastics today. Uh, We just had the tree lighting. We just talked about Christmas. Now we're back in Advent uh, waiting for the 25th. I hope that's all right with you. I mean, I already asked you to do gymnastics every week. Stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down. But the mental gymnastics that we're back, we're waiting for Jesus to arrive today. Uh, and so here we have what John is doing before Jesus' ministry begins. And it actually points to a cultural phenomenon, I think would be the words to use about what's going on in Israel. Uh, we get a strange description of John, but first we hear that all the people are going out to him. Uh, and, and what does that mean? Well, the first thing I'd say is it was odd. This is not something that normally happened and i think the pharisees are incredibly bothered by it that's why they'll end up going down there to see for themselves what's going on john is doing this strange thing where he's offering forgiveness through what he calls baptism in which he submerges people in the jordan river and gives them a fresh start and this is how he thinks that he is preparing the way for jesus to come to give people this once for for their once for their sins fresh start now later he'll say that jesus will offer an additional part of baptism, the gift of the Holy Spirit. We'll come to that later on. But first, you should know how odd this was, that people would leave the temple where they were doing animal sacrifice for sin uh, at the will of the Pharisees. They, they decided, I'm going to try something different. I heard about this guy. He's over there about a mile or so, and he's got something to offer. He's, he speaks like the prophets do, and he's telling us we've got to get ready, and he says that we can have forgiveness if we'll go into the water with him. Now, uh, do you appreciate the strangeness of that a little bit? Is that this was odd then. Now, it's normative for us. In fact, uh, one of my favorite parts of visiting the Holy Land was going to the Jordan River. Uh, Because of all the places in the scriptures that you could see described, almost all of them have churches on them now, and you can't really get a sense for the place. But the Jordan is still the Jordan, and people are being baptized there constantly uh, when you're visiting. Uh, And still, what John began continues to this day and added on to as well. So uh, w- when we look at what John is, I think it's important to note that he, uh, he was a very unique individual. And it's so unique that Isaiah prophesied that he would come. And he is the handoff, if you will, of the Old Testament prophets saying, one day the Messiah, one day the Messiah, one day the Messiah. And so John gets to be the one to say, today's the day. Here's the Messiah. And so we have to appreciate the unique role that John had. Now, uh, it's not normal in Scripture, either, to get a description of someone's clothing and diet. (laughs) Now, it would be interesting to get the clothing and diet every time a new character emerged in the Gospels. We don't get that. Uh, But John, we do. So it must be important, uh, what he's wearing, what he's eating. Uh, Also strange, I think it's not a, a diet you'd hear about from other people. Honey, locusts, even his clothing is camel hair tied with a leather strap. What does that matter? Why is it in here? Well, I think first it would it would point to, uh, if you know some about the community, the Essenes, there's some, some thinking that John might have been part of this aesthetic monastic community, a monks in caves kind of a person. Uh, maybe, maybe, probably, but we're not sure. But th- there might be also clues here that he doesn't participate in society the same way that other people do. He has this set-apartness to him. Uh, to get honey and locusts in the in the wilderness, you don't have to spend any money. So you don't have to have a job to earn the money to get the food and the clothing. He's, he's subsisting another way apart from society. Now, what's f- interesting in, in history of the Christian church is there are different people, different characters, different uh, inspired um, holy people throughout time who have decided they're going to leave society and be by themselves. And almost always in these uh, uh, accounts, Throughout history, throughout the centuries, they go be by themselves, and they're alone with God, and people hear about that, and they think, ooh, I want to ask that person a question, because uh, they have a special relationship to the Lord, and it ends up being that they're not alone. People are constantly coming to them and getting their wisdom. So the, the thought was, let me be isolated, and they ended up being surrounded constantly by people. It's just the way we are. So John, here is another example of that. He was off in the wilderness, and people came to him over and over again. Now, the other thing that is, about, that is important about his diet and clothing is that he has to depend on the Lord every day for sustenance, right? Almost like Israel did in the Old Testament with manna falling on the ground. He finds honey, that's a good day for him. He doesn't find honey, maybe tomorrow. He has to depend on the Lord's hand for his own survival in a very direct way. I think that's something else that we can learn from why the Scripture would put his clothing and diet in this verse, He depends on God. He is singularly focused on God. He has a message for the people, and people are responding to him, this monk, this prophet in the wilderness. Now, Jesus said in his gospel that of those born of women, no one is greater than John the Baptist. So it's not just unique. It's not just that it has uh, a, a, a success in the model. It's that Jesus endorses it in the strongest possible terms. And so I think other than just taking John's lesson of that the Messiah is coming close, we might be able to look at John and take some lessons for how do we live into Advent or, in fact, the Christian life all the time as people waiting that have the message to deliver, to be more like John. As I thought about this, I continued to get that picture of the watchman on the wall. Uh, it's one, one of the reasons I really like our Advent wreath. It has these lanterns on it. It reminds me of just sitting up late at night, waiting and watching for when the bridegroom will come, finally, uh, we're, we're, that's our role as Christians is to be the watchman on the wall. Now if you know anything about uh, the watches of the night, uh, you know there's like four of them and they were three hours each, sunset to 9 p.m., 9 to midnight, midnight to 3, and 3 to 6 would be that fourth watch. Now, What is the point of a watchman taking the watches at night? It's it's for his safety, right? To To make sure that someone is up and vigilant for whatever might happen so as to warn everybody else in time. And so, uh, notably in Matthew's Gospel, when Jesus walked on the water, he notes that it was the fourth watch of the night, meaning sometime between 3 and 6 in the morning, late at night. So there's a clue there. I don't know if that means that we can zero in on when the Lord will return. It will probably be somewhere between 3 a.m. and 6. A.m. I don't know. I don't, we, we're told we can't find out. But that's when he walked on the water. That, that watch, if you imagine being the fourth watch watchman, means that you're awake at a very odd time to be awake. You're probably tired, you're probably cold, you're probably lonely, and yet you're committed to the safety of your group. You're looking out for them. You take responsibility for not just yourself but for others. And I believe that's kind of the role that John the Baptist is serving here. He knows that something is about to happen. The Messiah is about to visit and he's got this whole group of people in Jerusalem and he's wanting to make sure that they're ready. So he's, he's ready, but he wants them to be ready. And I think that's the shape of his ministry is to get others ready for the Messiah's return. And I'd love to take a page out of that book for all of us, to take responsibility for our neighbors and say, we're the fourth watch, and you've got to be ready for when the Messiah comes. There's a, uh, a, a, a parallel today. I tried to think of who in society has this kind of a role. All I could come up with was tsunamis. You know, we don't have much experience with tsunamis, but in parts of the world, like Japan, they have to get ready for tsunamis uh, quickly. And how do you know once you see the wall of water, it's too late, right? So what they've come up with was fascinating to me to read about. They've got these seismic uh, measuring systems way off in the ocean floor that transmit the data back. They've al- also got these buoys floating way out there. And if they go too high up or too low down, they also get messages. Even uh, the populace will get an emergency text from these buoys off, off the shore, get to high ground right now. Uh, and that to me is, is a good parallel for what we're talking about here. When the day of the Lord finally comes, it will be too late. Uh, You can't start to get ready that day. Uh, You need to get to the high ground now. And so we take this on as a role to be the early warning system for the world about the Lord's arrival. And it will come all of a sudden like that tsunami. Ashley Null uh, is a a Christian thinker and writer mostly about the Reformation. He studied in Berlin, and he was in this uh, kind of highly educated elitist culture in in Berlin society in the late 1990s and he talked about that most of his peers uh, were these secular humanists who were deep thinkers but had a very different approach to life than he did. Uh, These non-Christian folks, they had basically in all of their education concluded that there would be no lasting value to life, that eventually all of everything would fade away and to them there was no God and there there was no point. Therefore, uh, eat, drink, and be mar- merry, for tomorrow we die was kind of their approach. Uh, and he, he could not find a way in this culture uh, because of how different he was in his approach to uh, what the world was all about, what he was about, and who God was. And so I, I want to highlight that for us is that the world we're in today, I kind of see parallels there. Less secular humanists, but a lot of eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Uh, you know, we love a celebration just as much as the next person. But uh, that's a defeatist and and uh, kind of hopeless attitude that we want to hold up a light and say there is another way, there is the truth, and one day all will be well so in the meantime, we take on this role we take on this almost i, I get to wear a specific uniform, but I want you to think of yourselves as wearing that uniform on your hearts is this watchman on the wall kind of a thing one one uh story that illustrates this more closely is uh, there was a, 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 a pastor in Auschwitz, uh, well, uh, uh, he, was, he was there, his name was Maximilian, and he uh, was there and they had to, one, one prisoner had escaped, if I get the story right, and so as punishment they were going to kill 10 of those who were still in the concentration camp, and one of the 10 that was randomly chosen said, I have a wife and children, and so Maximilian said, I'll take the place, And so they were put in a starvation cell. And for 15 days, he led prayer services. Uh, By the 15th day, he was the only one still alive. And the the guards got frustrated and and killed him by lethal injection because he was lasting so long uh, after the starvation. Now, that to me is a strong witness, almost like a John the Baptist-sized witness of how to be faithful in the worst circumstances. Why was he persisting so many days without food? I I can't tell you, other than that maybe the Lord was sustaining him. And yet, he had a hope in something beyond those prison walls. All of us are here in this earth, and most of us are doing far better than people in concentration camps. And yet, there and here, we need an answer. We need the Lord to come and deliver us. And we need people to be ready for that to happen. Now, how was John preparing them? Repentance and forgiveness. Repentance and forgiveness for people to come face to face with what our uh, epistle called blemishes and spots that need to be wiped clean. We're not talking about on our face. We're talking about on our souls. There is as much need in our day as there was in John's for the blemishes of our souls to be washed away by the waters of baptism and by relationship to the grace that's on offer through Jesus Christ. The grace we're not waiting on. We've got it. We have it to offer. What we're waiting on next is the new kingdom, to come in fullness and make everything right. John was getting his people ready for just that to happen. So how do we live more like John the Baptist as we wait for the coming of the Messiah in fullness? Well, uh, there's a subscription box service to get a monthly delivery of uh, local honey and chocolate-covered locusts. Uh, No, I'm joking. Uh, but there are other ways that we can be more like John the Baptist as we wait. Uh, I love, you know, and the tsunami metaphor of encouraging people to get to the high ground now. Now, what is the high ground in, in the manner of speaking we're talking about? Well, in our baptism service, we say to grow in the knowledge and love of the Lord. Now, the first point would be, of course, to see Jesus as a Savior and Lord. That would be the first steps on the road to high ground. But all of us can get to higher ground by the mercy of God if we persist in growing in our knowledge and love of the Lord. You see, at the end of our Second Peter reading, it says, uh, You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, again, we have an early warning, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people, like those people in Berlin I mentioned, who were eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow lo- we die, and lose your own stability, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, how do we grow? Well, uh, often to me in my life, it has been the timely words of a Christian friend have helped me grow in my faith. Don't neglect the fellowship that you have with one another, the small groups, the little conversations, the prayers for one another in times of hardship, and, of course, reading your scripture. God's love letter to you that's on your shelf whenever you want to pick it up. Uh, These things help us get to high ground before the tsunami comes. But again, the main encouragement I have for you today is not just for your own sake, but to adopt this responsibility for others, that you would see them as people at risk and needing to get up higher, quickly. Uh, Like John the Baptist said, repent and you'll be forgiven. This is our message too. The world will be fixed and we want people to be on the right side of the fixing. Uh, That is our responsibility to take up this role of John the Baptist. And therefore, we don't say, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. We wait up in the late times, praying and hoping for what's next. And then, at that day, we'll be able to say, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we live, and the tomorrow after that, and all the tomorrows after that. Amen.